Hey, welcome to No Shit There I Was. So today is a little bit of a special episode. You may notice there's no music in the background. There's not really any written narrative here in the beginning. I just really wanted to get this information out and get it turned around quickly uh, because I feel like there's a need out there that needs to be met. And it's just not right now. I actually recorded this on Friday, the 19th, and I'm releasing this on the 24th. It's the fastest turnaround I've ever had on an episode, and that's how important I think it is. I just really want to kick it off with setting the tone with a couple of observations over the last several months, maybe last few years. Primarily, it's just a decrease in trust of institutions. And this isn't anything new. You can really draw the foundations of this back to Vietnam, the Nixon years, and then fast forward to the case for going to Iraq that ended up being founded on some questionable information. Then jump to 2009 with corporate and financial bailouts for bad lending practices, ever-increasing hostility between political parties, increased focus on the practices of law enforcement, America's longest military engagement in a foreign country in Afghanistan of two decades, and finally, just long-lasting low confidence in Congress. According to Gallup, it hasn't been over 20% since 2005, which is yikes. So all that to say, I get it. But if we're going to be honest with ourselves, sometimes we carry that lack of confidence into how we view other institutions that really don't deserve it. And just to say this up front, I think there's a big difference between healthy skepticism and distrust, constructive criticism, and really just complaining. And the main institution that I want to talk about today is medicine. And there are plenty of criticisms to have, from treatment costs to health insurance to availability. But what I'm talking about is a community of Doctors, researchers, scientists that have come together and have put together our best chance of eliminating a pandemic in the shortest timeline we have ever seen in history. And that's why today I'm kind of breaking format. I'm not talking to a veteran. I'm talking to my friend, Scott Simpler, who is a research scientist who has helped develop a COVID-19 vaccine here where I live in Birmingham, Alabama, at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, UAB. And we talk about these same issues. We talk about why there might be mistrust or why there might be questions about both this virus and the vaccine that's been developed as a result. And the whole goal of the conversation is just to give information in the most honest, forthright way possible without all the jargon, without all the condescension about how you should feel this way or shouldn't feel that way. It's just information. Take it as you will. And please go make the best possible decision for you, for your family, and for the people around you who might be affected by your decision as well. And I think you'll appreciate the way Scott presents the information. He was a really easy interview. I know I always enjoy talking to him. And this is the first in-person interview I've been able to conduct since last year because Scott has had both his vaccinations. And I have to admit, it was really nice. So please enjoy. And as always, thanks for listening. Welcome to No Shit There I Was, a show committed to sharing the stories and experiences of those in and around the military for everyone to hear. So please, relax and enjoy. Okay, so just want to welcome Scott Simpler to the show. Scott, I'm not going to even try to like give you the adequate intro that you deserve, but please tell everyone who you are, what do you do, and what we're here to talk about. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is Scott Simpler. I currently work at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, or UAB, in biomedical research. I am actually work for four different principal investigators, and uh, one or two are in the Department of Microbiology, and two are in the Department of Immunology. 
I've worked there for a little over eight years now. And before that, uh, I've been in biomedical science for about 20 years. Did four years in a biotech in Houston. Uh, then I moved to Seattle with my wife and did uh, work for the University of Washington out there. UW. For, yeah. Good which awesome. is, a, oh, it's a great school. And a gr- oh, yeah. I mean, it's right there on the on the lake in Seattle and everything. And mm-hmm. yeah. University of Washington is actually the biggest by research grant funding university in America. So didn't know that huge. They have, I think the building that they have, it's like it's a bunch of other, a uh, bunch of buildings kind of linked together mm-hmm. along with the hospital. But, uh, it's one of the largest state owned buildings in the country. It's like five floors and they're all a mile long hallway. It's That's the craziest insane. thing you've ever seen. But, uh, yeah, I did three years out there. And each, when I worked in biotech, I was younger, so I was kind of just starting out and uh, just mainly doing uh, animal work. But I moved to, when I moved to Washington, I started working in muscular dystrophy research, mm-hmm. and we started doing uh, gene therapy approaches. So wow. using uh, certain viruses and stuff to introduce genes to fix the muscular dystrophy problem. And of course, you know, that's Jerry's kids and they're really really horrible disease anything that affects children like that it's you know we got to get to work on yeah absolutely don't don't want to see that suffering but uh but we've been working on it for a long time with not a lot of uh results but uh but it was good work out there i really enjoyed it and yeah i moved back here and uh been uh, working at uab ever since and we specifically we we do a bunch in in microbiology and everything we kind of just study the immune system but Specifically, we our lab has uh, worked on flu. So this, when the pandemic hit and everything, we were well positioned. We already had uh, uh, NIH funding for uh, flu research mm-hmm. in humans and everything. So we had all the kind of in-house infrastructure to go ahead and jump right on uh, the coronavirus problem. So we applied for funding and got it and started work. And as soon as that happened, we also got into works with a, another biotech company on working on a vaccine. Of course, right. as everybody knows, about 80 of them started at the same time yeah. once this happened, and it was kind of a race to market. But our clinical trial is just now starting, so we're definitely going to be late. But ours is more of a proof of principle kind of thing here, where we're trying to do our vaccine in a... Uh, nasal spray. Hmm. So I know a lot of people heard about it a couple of years ago. They came out with the flu shot that way. And it kind of, yeah, yeah. The flu mist. Right. And, uh, you know, people with parents with kids were like, this is great, you Mm -hmm. know, get away from the needle and stuff. And I never really followed up on what exactly happened. It wasn't effective. Of course, none of the flu vaccines that year were very effective. So it was kind of a bad year to introduce that, but it's, it's still a good concept. It's still Mm -hmm. a good thing for people that are afraid of needles that you can, take to places, rural places, things like that, and, and administer very easily. So we're going we're gonna to push forward with our clinical trial, try to get it through all three phases, and, and, and just see if it's a, a viable candidate for, you know, hopefully we, it won't have to come to this, but hopefully we'll be way more prepared for the next time something like this occurs. Right. And so we could easily just dive straight into it, but what I want to do real quick is, Scott, you're just, you're a dude I hang out with. We are very fortunate to be part of a really awesome group of couples that get to hang out and enjoy each other. I did, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about your work before we kind of talked about it, right? And I think it's important to kind of outline to the people that would listen to this, I mean, you're just a normal dude. Like, you're probably one of the cooler people that I, that I hang out with. 
And, you know, I, I think there that adds element of authenticity to what we're talking about. And the fact that, you know, you're not some way high up, like, you know, doesn't interact with normal people. Not to say that like doctors or you know, people that don't interact with normal people, but I'm just a normal dude, man. Yeah, it's you know, and you're not wrong. The 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 discipline of science does attract a very unique personality or characteristics of individuals that devote their life to studies and stuff. And and I know sometimes that's hard to take in our society, but trust me, we need these people, no matter how strange or unusual that you think they are. They're they're vital to a lot of the interactions that we have with medicine with general science. I mean, we've got rovers on Mars because of it, you know, so, uh, but no, you're right. Yeah. I'm, I should have prefaced this. My education is I just have a bachelor's degree in science. I got actually got a degree in marine biology, hoping to get somebody to pay me to play in the water, but, uh, (laughs) nobody, nobody was offering that job. Are you saying that's uh, harder to do than what people might think? It's, it's the job is not hard. It's riding around a boat all day, collecting specimens and stuff like that. That's yeah. easy. But yeah, there's like four jobs in the world for that. Nobody told me that. They just said, go to college, be whatever you can be. And I said, okay. But yeah. uh, <laughs> didn't we all? Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> the doors were wi- much wider open back then. But uh, but yeah, I don't have any advanced degrees. I've been kind of just a, a science grunt, you know, where I just do all the the work that has to be done around science that isn't, you know, the theorizing and the hypotheses and coming up with the studies and getting the grant money and all that, you know, somebody has got to go in and and just do the work and bang it out every day. So uh, that's what I do. I, my, my specialty over the years has leaned more to genetic breeding of animals. Mm-hmm. So generate a, a, a kind of a GMO type of mouse where we can remove or add a gene here or there and then uh, study it by, say, giving it the flu. We even have mouse flu that we give the the mice, so uh, so we can manipulate their genetics and expose them to something, and then say, oh, did that help or hurt the animal? That's fascinating. So that's that's kind of what I do. It's uh, it's not pretty work. <laughs> it's uh, it's being locked in a concrete box with no windows, you know, in a building that's uh, you know, locked down, of course, because they have to be with you know research animals and stuff, or kind right. of a. A lot of people like to protest and stuff, but uh, that you know, I'm I'm not a sit in a cubicle eight hours a day kind of guy either. So that that's hard to deal with as well. Yeah, no, that's certainly true. I mean, I well, I'm working from home now, but I am a cubicle guy now, which is soul crushing in and of itself. <laughs> no, man, and I think that's a perfect point to make. I, I want to make sure that people understand one. You know, you're a guy who does the work. You're not sitting there pontificating with a bunch of other people and. That, that are just in your job always, but you understand what you're doing, you do the work, and what you're here to talk about is very legitimate because you're in it every day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, it's one of those things where you you never you never hope this happens, but in the back of your mind, you have to pretend like, all right, if this ever happens, we need to be ready, you know, and I've, I have been working since the beginning of the pandemic every day, you know, going in and, and masked up and everything, and we have to wear all kinds of other PPE and stuff, but, uh, yeah, you know, this is, this is our world series. This is our, our time to shine. So, right. uh, you know, it's nice to be involved in everything. It's, it's frustrating at times because the general population doesn't always appreciate endeavors and efforts of, especially people that are in academia say, yeah. you know, biotech kind of gets a pass because it's, you know, it's 
the innovation and the you know, the new age of. Well, they get to market themselves, you know. <laughs> it's true. It's true, and that's that's always been a problem with science and, and specifically scientists. Like we talked about, some of their characteristics and stuff are are unique. It, it's it's not a sexy thing, you know. Yeah. It's just not, and we can't we can't have you know. PhDs out here, you know, driving sports cars and going to nightclubs and stuff. That's just not, that's just not the paradigm we're in here. You so. serious? We can't have that? Oh, come on. I know. I, I, look, I wish we, I, we've made other things cool that I never thought could be. So maybe one day, but, uh, we need, we need a, uh, we need an Iron Man. We need a, uh, what's his name? Oh, Tony Stark. Yes. We need, yeah. we need a Tony Stark type individual with the brains and the good looks and the attitude yeah, you know, yeah. to come along and really pump it up. But, uh, <laughs> But it's, but you know, it, it comes with a sense of satisfaction where, you know, so all of, all my salary is paid by the American people. Right. I am, I am purely paid out of tax dollars straight from NIH. So, I mean, I work for everybody and, and we feel that, I mean, I, I know not day to day maybe, but you know, when we start an experiment and I screw it up and it wastes, you know, $500 worth of reagents or something, I feel bad, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, I'm not. You know, again, like in biotech, you're like, oh, this is just some stockholders money, you know. But when you're in academia, it's you feel like you're working for the American people. Right. And, you know, it's kind of a funny you say that because a lot of large listener base for this podcast is military. And I can tell you what, they don't feel quite as bad when they sling way too many rounds downrange and waste a few hundred thousand dollars. Sure, sure. But, you know, that's a that's a little different, you know, but I it's. It's still the appreciation of what we're trying to do and who we're trying to do it for. Right. It, it, I think that that goes about with you know both ways with servicemen and women and with people in state and federal government positions. You know, we're all on the same team here. Yeah. You know that that camaraderie should be shared across disciplines like that. Should be. You yeah. know, and and that's why you know when certain individuals feel like science is pushing an agenda or and, and don't get me wrong they're there are people out there with all kinds of reasons why they do what they do. Who am I to say that's good or bad? But I can tell you this, the, with the limited people I've interacted with, they're all extremely ethical. Mm-hmm. They're all uh, proud patriots. I, I, I've worked with people with from over 30 different countries, all here either uh, you know on visas or they've become citizens here or they're studying here. And, you know, it, it really exemplifies the American dream and what can be accomplished when we do work together. Right. And, and you, know, I th- you know, that mentality used to be, I mean, it still is for the most part, you know, in every facet of our lives, you know, yeah. we, we, but we've, the fracturing that's occurring seems to be chipping away at that involuntarily. You know, yeah. We're not trying to split up you know oh science is the devil because they said this and they're trying to take my hamburgers away from me because of climate change you know yeah. and you get these little headline statements that when you read them you're like oh god no you know i don't you know that sounds terrible let's not support that yeah you know it's interesting you say that because one of the things that stands out you know in the last year is really let's just talk like you know dr fauci right yeah who is out there, he's kind of the, the headpiece of the the science that's trying to happen. And the thing is, it's complex. Yeah. A guy can't be like, I, I feel horrible for whoever's up there trying to explain, hey, listen, we don't know anything about this right now. And the things that we're you know knowing is we're trying to take, we have a bunch of different pools of knowledge we're trying to draw from. One is experiential, where we know things about certain coronaviruses 
Um, so we think it may behave this way. This kind of some speculation, but with, with an educated education behind it. You know, we're trying to pull from this research that you know very prelim. It's very preliminary. It's also full of some maybe some best guesses. And then you know, you have another pool that is people on the forefront that are actually having interactions with patients, and they're getting they're trying to give information feedback. So he's got kind of three different. Or, or more different pools of knowledge he's trying to pull from and decipher what's the best message to give the general public. And it's like, man, no way would I ever want to be in that position because he's going to say at first, hey, we don't think masks are maybe necessary right now. And then he may come back, which he did months later and go, guys, we really need to be wearing masks you know, for this reason or that. And then people are like, well, why should I believe him? He doesn't know what he's talking about. No, that's not the case. They've learned a lot over a very short amount of time, and it's taken a lot of trial and error, and you need to kind of give allowance for that because that's what the scientific method is all about. And I just I feel really bad for him. I think it yeah. takes a lot to get up there and, and, and have to represent that. Yeah, and, and I mean, he's the epitome of who you want in that position, too. Precisely. He's been through all these different administrations, all these different egos and bureaucrats and all that you know but at the end of the day he's a scientist and he doesn't right. he doesn't give a shit whose side you're on or what science has no side I, yeah. I, 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 I can't stress that enough i mean like i said there are people out there with agendas and mm-hmm. they're in it, it, its egos it, you know a lot of it's just they get entrenched and they're like no i'm right you'll never prove me wrong you know right. i mean that's everybody you know but uh but no i mean in this specific situation with the pandemic and the coronavirus and everything it's it's a classic information is a need to know basis. Mm-hmm. Too much scares people. Not enough scares people, you know? So you have to be very delicate with it, you know? And then you got multiple organizations contributing like CDC saying something, the, the you know, the administration in the white house is saying something, mm-hmm. your neighbor's saying something. WHO you know? is saying something. Exactly. Right. So, uh, yeah, a lot of lessons are going to be learned about communication in, in this day and age, but, uh, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough to prepare people without freaking them out. Right. And uh, especially with this, because like you said, we didn't know. I mean, we we know how viruses work, but we have never seen anything like this ever. Right. I mean, it's just never, especially in the modern science. I mean, uh, the pandemic of 1918 was horrible, mm-hmm. but it was just the flu. And we understood the flu. We knew what was happening, what was going on, everything. So this one is totally different. It's with all these uh, cardiac uh, complications and, and and neurological complications, and we don't we've never seen a virus do this. Yeah. So of course, conspiracy flags go up. They say, "Oh, made in the lab, escaped the lab. Y'all did this to us. You created this, and that's why it's having these offset effects." And mm-hmm. so it seems reasonable. I, yeah. I you know, I, from a person from an outside perspective, I could see where they would be a little scared. You know, but right. from the research I've seen. This is a naturally occurring phenomenon. Right. I have not seen, I mean, we've sequenced the genome, we've turned it inside out. It looks, if, the, if someone would have manufactured this, we could have told, we, we could have figured that out. Right. Unless they were just really good at it. But that could have only happened in probably a handful, 10 labs in the world. So that kind of stuff doesn't just, you can't, these, these things cost thousands of dollars to make. You can't, I mean... With the bureaucracy now, I mean, we have to account for every penny of everything that goes everywhere. Yeah. So that's just not going to happen. There's no mad scientist in his basement, you know, cooking up, you know, putting a bat and a pangolin together going, <laughs> ha, 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 You know, it's, 
it's just there's tons of species on this planet. If you get them all in the same room together, this is this is what happens. They cross over like that. So we're learning. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's unfortunate that it you know happened in this day and age with the thoughts about vaccines. You know, on the on the zeitgeist out there. But I'm a hopeful guy, and I try to I try to use this as our chance. This mm-hmm. is our chance to show the world we found a problem. Science has an answer. We implement that answer, and it works. Right. And so far, so good. I mean, just today, there, you know, cases are down 75% over the last six weeks or so. It's, it's, you know, it's trailing off. Now, that's not just the vaccine. Tons of people have already had it. So they're, you know, immune from being exposed to it for a certain amount of time. You got that coupled with a lot of vaccinations have gone out and are working. Right. That with, you know, the winter, people stay inside a little more and don't mingle as much with other people. So there's a lot of factors involved there. But it's, you know, if, if you add all those up, that's what we've been saying this whole time. Mm-hmm. If we just do this, it'll work. You know, but patience is our biggest enemy here. Right. Because people, the world is moving so fast right now. People just can't stop and say, wait a second, I can take a year off. You know, it, it's not going to ruin anything. You know, nothing's going to crumble. So that was the hardest pill to swallow, I think, for most. But again, I hope we learn from that as well. You know, yeah. I, I think people, whether they want to or not, are going to have some some ammunition to to look to to say look we were given this and we implemented that and it worked. Yeah. So I mean it's going to be really hard to crack open the national conscience and go hey, you know how you freaked out about, you know, these uh, hopefully in retrospect or really small things of someone asked you to put something on your face while you're out in public just so you could help other people just in case you have it. That's not that much to sacrifice. You're just so somebody doesn't see you, like see the lower half of your face, you know? Yeah. There's a hopeful part of me that sits, that sits there and says, maybe we can look back and go, you know, that wasn't that bad. Now I can understand being told to like stay home for, for months at a time. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. You know, someone who didn't get to be around family, you know, for 27 months, uh, that's, that's not easy. Yeah. And so I get that. But at the same time, it's one of those things where you are asked to make a sacrifice so that more people can survive. Can we get to a point where people can be okay with that? I'm not sure, but hopefully we can through lessons learned, but we could go in a bunch of different directions. Sure. And I think everything you said is right about, you know, the pandemic, like I was saying, I wish we could kind of crack open the national conscience and just kind of rip that apart and talk about it, but that's going to be difficult to all solve in the same conversation. (laughs) What I'd really like to do is because of the audience of this show and I've seen some skepticism lately about the vaccine, what I'd like to do is just kind of level set on knowledge about vaccines. What are they and you know, how does it get developed? What are, what are the different types? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, it is confusing. The history of vaccines has is, is not been a good one, unfortunately. They've been a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of them have worked really good. So that's... Uh, Probably batting 50-50 if you, if you really look at it. But let me put it this way. We've come a long way in the past, I'd say, 20 years. Everything before that, science was still trying to figure it all out. I mean, a vaccine is a very basic concept. So the early ones, you're basically just introducing some portion of the virus itself into the body to expose to your immune system to say, hey, why don't you look out for this next time you see it? And... 
there's different ways to do that, different ways to get it in your body, different ways to raise your body's awareness that it is there. Because if you just put a, a random protein or something in your body, your body sometimes just goes, meh, you know, I don't care. So sometimes we have to put uh, what's called an adjuvant in there. It's uh, something that will irritate you, you know, and then your, your immune system will react to that. And then while it's reacting to that, it will notice the virus particles and say, oh, we'll, we'll get rid of this, but we'll also remember this too. So in the future, if you're exposed to it again, your body recognizes it. Well, that didn't go well because someone's going to be sensitive to that thing that alerts your body. Mm-hmm. What are some some like examples of the things that alert your body? The most classic one is called alum, mm-hmm. and it's just this just this kind of chemical protein that just irritates. It's an irritant, you know, yeah. just like uh, anything that you read these days. It says, you know, will irritate if you yeah. ingest or whatever. You right. Know? But, you know, you, so you got to walk the line of something that's not going to irritate you that much, but just the right amount, you know. For your immune system to go, nah, need to go look at that. Exactly. So it's it's not a, everyone's different. That's mm-hmm. the problem. You can't just, you know, mix up one cocktail and say, all right, this will work on everybody. Every shape, size, color, creed. Right. And that, But that's with every medicine. So that's just kind of a constant. But we realize that that's probably not the best approach. It works fairly well for a lot of stuff, but people are more aware of what is in things. Now, back then it was like, it's a vaccine, just take it. You don't care what's in it, you know? Right. And now people are aware of that information because of the internet or whatnot. So we thought, okay, well, let's listen to the public. And science does that. We really do try to, to listen to what people want and make products that help you, just like any other service or business in the world. So we said, okay, fine. Let's come up with a way to introduce the part of the virus to your body for you to recognize it and say that's bad without anything else. That's what Pfizer and Moderna have done with their vaccines that are on the market now. Right. It is basically, and, and instead of putting the actual virus pieces in or what they call an inactivated virus, which is the shell of it without all the dangerous parts to it. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, doing that, because immediately that's, you know, that's, that's a turnoff. Even if there's a chance one of those wasn't inactivated, right. you're going to give me the disease, yeah. you know? And so that's a hard sell. So we said, okay, fine. Let's take what we've learned about genetics and about how the body makes protein and use that information and that tool really to make your body make the thing we want it to recognize. It's right. kind of kind of convoluted there, but... So it's, uh, that's what they call this messenger RNA. Mm-hmm. All that is, is I mean, you can think of it like a computer code. I mean, that's exactly what it is. The, the similarities between computer code and genetic information are eerily similar. <laughs> but yeah, so we just, we, we insert, we had this little bit of code or this little bit of uh, messenger RNA. It goes into the body and your cells take it in and it's it's wrapped in this uh, this lipid protein it's basically just like a fat soluble stuff because your cells absorb fat better than they do genetic code so we just wrap it in this little thing it's like a gift for the cell and it goes oh this looks nice and so it sucks it in and once it does that genetic code starts generating that protein within your body mm-hmm. Pro- your body sees it and says hey that's not supposed to be there i better take note of this and hopefully remembers that immune response for when you're actually exposed to those things. So on paper sounds like a you know, pretty good deal. But anytime you're dealing with putting 
foreign genetic material into a person, people are going to have questions, you know, and it, rightfully so. Right. Not to mention, this is the first time we've ever done anything like this on such a grand scale. Now, we've tri- we've tested this in every animal you can think of. There are, like I mentioned, some gene therapy applications where we've actually returned sight to patients this way with uh, different uh, gene therapy approaches like this. It's amazing. So it, it has a proof of that it can work. You know, yeah. We're not just blindly you know, throwing it off. And that's... That's what I would say is the number one thing I hear from people is that it's it's too fast. This is all just happening too fast, and and, and, and I, I don't trust any of it. Yeah. Well, let's crack that open then. I mean, the, the timeline is shorter than maybe what we may be used to in vaccine development for a new disease or for a new illness. Is it any different as far as procedure? I mean, obviously, <laughs> extenuating circumstances, yeah, but— of course. It's a global pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there is a need, you know, but I mean, you could say that every person suffering has got an immediate need, you know, but we can't. And that's another uh, tip of my hat to scientists. Most of them work 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're grinding it out as hard as they can, trust me. But no, the real answer is no. Mm-hmm. We did not change anything. I regret the the term warp speed, and I'm a Star Trek fan, so uh, you know that's <laughs> that's dear to my heart. But the the whole Project Warp Speed with the vaccine was the worst misnomer of that could have ever been applied. But I mean, I, I will say this: the procedures and protocols to approve a vaccine were not changed. The money and the steps we got ahead on it were. Mm-hmm. There was no foul play there. It's just, okay, we think this is going to work. So we're going to go ahead and make a bunch of this stuff. And we're going to go ahead and plan the next step and, and get it rolling before this says yes or no. That, that, that doesn't mean that if it, if it came out and said, uh, sorry, everyone, this vaccine, you know, causes hives in everyone. Mm-hmm. Boom, right there, it ends. It stops. And there are have been clinical trials that have stopped because of things like that. Right. So in this particular development, or not yours, but like in other developments for, for yeah. COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. For I mean, it's because people tried all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, yeah. just, just get something out there to work. We had no idea, you know, right. first. Let's just throw it all at the wall and see what sticks. You know, but I mean, the process of a clinical trial is the apex of science. It is taking all the information we've learned over the years of how to accurately study something. You need this many people. You need this much time. You need that is hard, fast. We will never break on that. That I mean, right. that's the bedrock of science. We have to stick to that. So the short answer is no, but it does seem like it. I guess the the complexity of the actual process of administering a vaccine to a person. And you building immunity is super complicated. Yeah. And I've been working science 20 years. I barely understand it. You know, <laughs> it's, I mean, the immune system is, is crazy. But uh, the process to build these drugs or, or, or biopharmaceuticals isn't hard. Making these little pieces of DNA, this is a little misnomer, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. Putting a little fat around it, it's not, it, this isn't like synthesizing some new chemical out of the bark root of some crazy tree, you know. It's a very, you know, simplistic process. Now, the problem is, like we spoke earlier, you can't make something that's going to be 100% safe and effective in every human being on this planet. Right. That is an expectation that we should all let go of. Uh, You know, so far, the data coming out from side effects uh, from the Moderna and Pfizer, super low. You know, I mean, we're talking 800 people. 
you know? And I mean, 75% of those are over 75 with other health problems, you know? So there's a lot of factors there. Right. So 800 people that, you know, that might have some sort of. It's these crazy side effects. And yeah. I mean, it's, every drug I've ever seen approved on market has said, you know, nausea, yeah. you know, and all the, you got to disregard those. Yeah. The, there's a thing called anaphylaxis or the, uh, you know, where you have a serious re- allergic reaction. Yeah, yeah. That's a serious thing. And, right. But, you know, we're talking. Out of millions. Yes. 12 million doses out so far. We're talking 50 people. And that's just the Pfizer. So look. If you have a history of any kind of allergies like that, really bad allergies to mm-hmm. a lot of things, uh, have had anaphylaxis at any time in your life, don't take the Pfizer. The Moderna, three people. Wow, Three total. people. So, I mean, and those people had other health problems, I'm sure, and, you know, like bad, like lupus and things are very bad autoimmune disorders. So when you look at the sheer numbers like that, it's easy to look at that that statistic of millions versus 50 and say, oh, it's safe, but it's my body. If I'm right. that one, I'm scared, you know, yeah. and that's fine. If you have that history too, but I think I think the key part of it is to understand, I mean, and this is like anything, and this is why I want you to talk about it, it's about context. It's about having the context of, it's not some shot in the dark. If you have a history of this thing, maybe you should be more, weary and go maybe not this maybe not this one maybe i should wait until this other particular vaccine becomes available or i think people have to be aware and and sometimes well let's not even say sometimes most of the time a lot of that information doesn't come across there's also times where people aren't listening for that information because they don't know to they just hear hey vaccine is impacting some people in this way and all of a sudden, I'm going to say, well, it's not a good one, you know, and, and no, I mean, just from a layman's perspective, like myself, for all intents and purposes, the vaccines that have been out there seem to have a very high rate of efficacy. A lot of people are, you know, not having reactions. And the clinical trials all have incredible results. And so I think that's what people need to hear. It's, and it's like I said, the, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's got different circumstances. They heard this from this person and all that. And that it's, it's easy to sway you and thinking, oh, well, I'll just wait a little while. You know, it's, it, it could, you know, pan out. This thing could, could, you know, get better here, you know, in a few months and then I'll, I'll skip it. Or, and there's a lot of people out there that have had it mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, screw it. I've already had it. It was fine. I was fine. And that's your choice. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, no one's no one's forcing anyone to do anything they don't want to do. But the risk is so small compared to the potential problem that it could cause. And that's that's what you got to really focus on is these after effects and, mm-hmm. and these cardiac problems that people are seeing and stuff. That's new pulmonary was, issues. Yeah. If it was just the flu, like, oh, you're going to have a bad week, but nothing will change about your physiology or your body or anything, a lot of people would forgo, you know, and would yeah. say, I can take it. I'm tough, you know, yeah. especially young people and, you know, people in good health. But if you plan to come in contact with people that are sensitive, that have health problems, that are elderly, it's just... It's, it's like a common courtesy almost. I know it sounds like that because it's much more of a risk. It's not like just, oh, you know, I'll go carry this lady's groceries for her. You know, it's a little different. I understand. Yeah. But you got to think of it that way. It's hard to, but 
it's it's just a part of living in a society and being responsible for yourself. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things I can come away with there. The first one is when we talk about like the flu vaccine, just something that I know needs to be said that gets talked about a lot. Well, the flu vaccine made me sick. It's supposed to make you a little sick. A little sick, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and, and people are having reactions to the, uh, uh, the corona vaccine. Yeah. That is a good thing. I know yeah. it's hard to swallow, but... Well, let's talk about that. Why, why, yeah. why should they have a reaction? So, okay, let's start with the flu vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Very few people have serious reactions to mm-hmm. the flu vaccine. You know, we've tried it and tested this for years and years and years and years. We've got plenty of data on that. Is that but, the same using the same messenger RNA? No, it's, it's okay. totally different totally system different. Okay. there. But the response is does occur for flu vaccinations and coronavirus vaccinations around the same, you know, amount and severity. Mm-hmm. Because it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Your body sees something and goes, nope, that's not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Raise the temperature. Shut down everything we don't need. Let's focus on this. And I've been in immunology for, like I said, eight years now. And I've asked every doctor and professor I know, you know, if you have a bad response, you know, if you're a person who gets sick all the time and you have a fever and you're, you're out for a week and you just feel like crap, is your immune system better or worse than the guy next to you, you know? And I've never gotten a straight answer about it. But we hope that any response is showing that at least your body is trying to fight it. Yeah. That's a good sign. No response. That doesn't mean, you know, that it could just take you over at any moment. Any, you know, the common cold could one day take you over. But it's proof that it's working. So I'll I'll give my personal experience with the COVID vaccine. First shot, arm swole up, you know, and I get flu shot every year. My flu shots uh, swell a little, a little sensitive, a little pain. Mm-hmm. This one, you know, it was it was good. It was like I got punched in the arm pretty good. Right. Gone, you know, the next day, totally normal. My second administration, nothing. I mean, not even within hours, I didn't even know I'd been given an injection. Right. So that's a sign of, I mean, this is, again, just my opinion, I guess. I don't have any evidence to really prove to this, but my body saw it the first time and said, uh-oh, Let's send some stuff over there because that swelling is just your body sending white blood cells to your arm to say, hey, let's go investigate. Right. Goes in, figures it out. Hey, that's not supposed to be here. Put that on the big board for, you know, to get rid of. And so then when you get the second administration, your body goes, nope, got it. And it's all over it, you know. So I'm probably one of the people who would be asymptomatic. You know what I mean? If I was ever in contact with it because my body was efficient enough to recognize it quickly get on top of it and make it go away. Right. And that's great mm-hmm. for me, you know, <laughs> and, and a vast majority of people. Pat on my back. Pat yeah, my back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go immune system. <laughs> but, uh, you know, others aren't so lucky. So, you know, we got to kind of look out for them, but it's almost like if your immune system is capable of recognizing these things and helping you, then you should it's comforting to know that your body can do that, I guess. So that, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to build a case here for a person who says I'm healthy. Look, I run 10 miles a day. I eat great. You know, I'm in my twenties or thirties and I'm, I got this, yeah. you know, and, and it, it's easy to, it's easy to say that it's easy to, to know that. And you know, the facts are 95% of those people, you're right. You could probably handle it. No problem. But it's the 5% that don't, of course, 
and that you know you, you, you wouldn't even know you had any kind of you know weird immune response to it and it's the it's just the spread it's mm-hmm. just that it could eventually get to someone who doesn't have these options of these uh, affordabilities of your youth and health so that's you know that's what we kind of all have to swallow hard on and say oh, okay I'll get the vaccine even though I know I probably got this or even if I or even if you've been exposed to it and had yeah. it well, in these cases of you know people with you know, no known pre-existing condition that you know young healthy exercise good health folks that have these horrible responses and it's like well just because you think you know yourself doesn't necessarily know that you know yourself and how you're going to respond to this particular pathogen it's an interesting thing that you say that you know how, how your reaction is and I, I think I think people have to keep that in mind is how your friend who's a nurse who's already gotten it reacted to it isn't necessarily how or or you know my wife that's a teacher that's already gotten her first you know her first shot how she reacted to it how it may not be how me the low man on the totem pole now (laughs) reacts to it in, in the in the coming months when when i eventually will be able to take it and that's uh you know you could have a big reaction i know someone (laughs) <laughs> yeah. completely got knocked out for a day for and after their second dose and you know had to call in and go listen i can't do it today but positive note hey it's 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 working your body's identifying something and saying we gotta we gotta get you down we gotta get you relaxing so that we can do our job yeah and that and that speaks to and the reason why we're see seeing higher rates of that with this specific vaccine is due to the novelty of this particular disease right because it's come from some random place we still not 100 percent sure of but it's unlike anything the body's ever seen i equate it to uh, having an organ transplant almost it's like putting something in your body that your body's like what is this you right know? and it just doesn't know what to do right i've got a, i've got another example of my dental hygienist's experience Shot went in her arm, and we preface this with this: she has allergies. She's allergic to a couple penicillin, sulfa drugs, things like that. Oh so wow! This is a person who, yeah, is I'm not gonna say high risk, but this is a person with allergies, yeah. with an active immune system. Absolutely. And I mean, she said that as soon as it went in her arm, she got warm, and you know all this stuff, you know. And people can have psychosomatic, or where you, it's not imagined. Your body is really causing these things to happen. But your mind is controlling them. So, you know, you, people are like, oh, well, I don't know, you know, if that was you or, the, you know, because that quickly, and that's that's rare. But, you know, she legitimately had a ringing in her ear for six weeks, she said. Wow. Afterwards. And she was, you know, she's nervous to get the second administration now because of that. And that's fine. That's totally fine. You know, she tried. She had a weird reaction to it. With just one dose, she's in much better shape than she's not. I mean, she's a dental hygienist. I mean, these yeah. are the people that... You've got, we've got to do something. We've yeah. got to do something to give people reassurance that they can go get their teeth cleaned and not worry. Right. You know, I mean, you know, she was brave for doing it in the first place. And, you know, and if she doesn't follow up with the second administration, you know, people understand. People mm-hmm. aren't going to, I hope not, you know, with the uh, the aggression in the world, people need to just be like, she tried. Yeah. You know, she's trying to protect herself and us the best she can. Yeah. Some side effects occurred. I think she's going to be okay. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's much worse. The side effects of having the disease definitely outweigh the potential little, I want to say irritations of the side effects of the vaccine. Right. Right. 
I think it'd almost be worthwhile to kind of talk about before you make a decision. Let's let's, let's weigh the the pros and cons. So, to me, you know, there's a personal weighing, and then there's a societal weighing. So, what's the worst thing that can happen if you do get it? To answer that that question personally, you have to be able to understand what is your history, right? Do you have any allergies? Are you allergic to anything? Have you ever had any sort of negative reaction to other vaccines? Um, you know, what's your, you know, do you get sick a lot, right? Was Is your immune system very active? Or, or, or I, th- I think you have to weigh a lot of different things. Or what's the worst thing that can happen if I don't? And I would hope that people could kind of sit back and answer that question honestly. And a reason why maybe they can is, is a is not understanding the disease itself. Yeah, and I mean it's it's just legitimate fear, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean we all feel it. It's especially the emotions that have we've all processed over the past year. I mean we've we've discovered new emotions in us that I'm sure that weren't there before. But uh, this is this is the old tried and true. Like I know that if I don't take it, my life's going to go on. Just like it is. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and that's a real safe place to be. It feels yeah. good, you know? But it's like you said, that's, you know, you take in your personal information. You take your your situation into account. You make your best decision you can. And we as a society have to accept that. You know, I, you know, it, I'm not the kind of person who's going to be, oh, you didn't get the vaccine. Oh, come on, you know? Why? That's not helping anything. That's, you know... I'm vaccinated. You know, I feel great. You know, it's like, that's my own personal experience. Now I want everyone to get vaccinated just because I know that that will reduce unnecessary people from dying. Yeah. And that's just it. It goes to conscience and just your overall ethics. But, and I don't feel that, you know, Oh, if I went to a restaurant and had dinner tonight that, oh my gosh, you know, that I should just feel terrible all weekend because I was, you know, I was just so selfish. And you no, know, I mean, look, people have to live their lives, you know, right. people have to, you have to do what you have to do. And that's totally understandable. And the, for, in the, in us as a society on the same turn should say, okay, you have allergies, you have autoimmune problems. You don't want to get the vaccine. Fine. We will continue to support good hygiene in certain environments. We will keep hand sanitizer all over the world for the next two years, you know, and, and just give these people some sort of, you know, something just to show them that, Hey, you know, you got a shitty situation. We're going to try our best to make things not necessarily force you to have to have a vaccine to get back into the real world. We shouldn't force the world to go back to exactly the way it is, you know, on June 1st, if after a hundred million people have been vaccinated, that's it. All right, everybody, we're back to normal. You know, let's stop. You know, it's not going to be like that. You know, we're gonna. This is going to linger. Now, I can tell you that from the numbers I saw today, and the data that's coming out. I mean, there's a legitimate chance that when school lets out this summer, we're going to be back to whatever normal is. Yeah. The best we can. Now, in our minds, that's going to be a hard switch. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have a reluctance to let go of this pandemic mentality yeah and that's going to be a whole new problem to deal with <laughs> but uh uh you know you're already seeing it when certain work environments are where they're like i'm not going back to this or that and stuff and you know the world's going to have to adapt but we have to get back it's conditioning to, yeah. yeah we have to get back to 
mental security is what I'd call it. It just, just a point where I have done in my life what I can to prevent the spread of the disease. And I feel comfortable going out and living my life the way I did before this all started. Yeah. And I think a key part of what you said there about being able to make that judgment call on knowing yourself and knowing like, Hey, well, do I fit this kind of this health history? Well, if you don't, and you have the opportunity to go get vaccinated, well, you can help that person who's having, who's being forced to make that decision, be more comfortable making that decision. Because, I mean, if, if you could, what is the impact of those people that can, you know, helping out those others that cannot? What is the benefit of that? Is, is there is there a, a larger immunity that gets to those people are afforded uh, as a result of society kind of taking that attitude. Yeah. I mean, it's in my, my grandest of hopes, I, you know, I felt like, you know, it's, it's like that, uh, that scene in that movie, super troopers where they said, I'm doing my part, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, that feels good to me. I don't yeah. know. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's, it's probably my own ego, you know, just want to stroke that. I, I just want to feel like I, you know, made the right choice today, you know, kind of mentality. And it, it, it does feel good. But at the same time, I completely appreciate people's weariness and fear about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now we live in an age of information that is so hard to decipher that it, it make your head spin, you know? Right. So I get it, you know? Uh, I would love to see a, you know, this vaccine work out and, and prove to the world that, hey, look, we can handle anything if we work together and if we we all realize that your life affects my life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and take that into every aspect of life. You know, I'd love to see that. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that kind of the rally around the flag type of mentality, you know, it it feels good and necessary in this time. But, you know, I, I, I hope that the conspiracies and the, and the rumors and the just straight lies out there will be proved wrong. And after this, we can see who stayed level-headed, stayed the course, had the right mentality, had the right information, and and support those people. Yeah. I think a really cool thing about this particular event in, in history, really, I really hope a lot of people can take this context of, of what's happened in the last year, is what the scientific community has done, whether you're talking about non-governmental organizations that have reacted pharmaceutical companies that have reacted, as well as governmental organizations that have have reacted, is all that's kind of come together. And it's been really kind of this, you know, I I get images of like post 9-11, where you have like parades going down freeways and people waving flags, people rallied together. Now, maybe 9-11 isn't the best, you know, association because of, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that have conspiracy theories about that too, which is completely insane to me. But... (laughs) But really, that's what that community has done in, in delivering. I think about what the military did. Yeah, we sent people where they were needed very quickly, and basically injected the special forces into the Northern Alliance, and they pushed all the way across Afghanistan in in a matter of months, uh, which is an amazing story for anybody who wants to go research that. But that's I liken that to what the scientific community has done in rallying around finding a way to fight this virus and deliver something to people where they can feel a little more secure. They can get back to a semblance of a life that we know 
and then go, guess what? We can do this again. And I feel more confident that community is going to do that because there's very good documentation processes. There's very good ways that a lot of those organizations record lessons learned, whereas the rest of us don't do a great job of that. No, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. You know, and that's, I mean, yeah, you, you got to hear the signal through the noise is the tough part, but you're right. I mean, it, it is the perfect common enemy. I mean, mm. it literally is. It's yeah. us versus the virus. Yeah. It's all of us. It's a hundred year enemy, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's Almost gonna literally. happen again. Yeah. Exactly. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's that. The irony is is so steeped. It's crazy. But yes, it will happen again. We shouldn't be. I mean, it, it's natural to f- be fearful. But knowing the abilities we have to rise to these occasions is is the essence of life. I mean, that's right. the good stuff. You yeah. know. So, and, and I'd love to see that. I'd love to see. I don't know why they've been kind of not really giving a straight answer about will the military be used to help administer the vaccine and will they be involved with the thing? Because I see both sides of the coin, you know, it, it sends a weird message like, you know, guy, you know, by Humvee saying, take this, you know, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. you know, that's yeah. got some 1984 wanna, stuff yeah. going Lord of the flies kind of stuff going on there. But, uh, but for me, it shows that we're all on the same page, yeah. you know, that, Scientists and, and academia and biotech created it. We're going to use our proud servicemen to help make this an orderly and organized administration and, and everything. And I think that I think that shows a sense of unity that yeah. is that is great. You yeah, know? I mean, I think I think it's amazing that you've got. I mean, like you've got people that are doers that went out there and they did. And, and I hate to even think about the negative of that, but the negative part of. People have been so divided and pulled apart so much that they can't see that. Yeah. They have these red colored lenses on that aren't allowing them to see this amazing thing that's happened. And this this large group of people that pulled together and delivered something for the good of the world. And it's amazing. Like nothing has ever been delivered this fast. No. Ever. No. In the history of the our entire existence, nothing has ever been done to this great effect in such a small amount of time and people are blinded by this divisiveness and ignorance, unfortunately. Yeah. And and I mean, probably every great situation that we as a people have faced in the moment, scary as hell. And Mm -hmm. it's, you just, you don't know where to look and which way's up. But now, like you mentioned earlier, we're going to have documentation of this, you know, this is all going to be able to be reviewed, you know? Right. Now, the key there is, and I mean, this goes into other stuff that I think and feel about, but how we consolidate the right information. Right. You know, I mean, you can see now, I think Facebook is coming up with this. This is the news we believe. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I like your your concept of that. We do need an organization that says, this is the most accepted information we believe. Right. You know, and I mean, it, Snopes can't take over the world. You know, they can't be our only <laughs> verifying factor out yeah. there. You know, if the media is too liberal, that's a problem. You know, I mean, that, yeah. it, it, it's a legitimate problem. Is is the media fixable in that fashion? Can we utilize it? Can we turn it, you know, back around and make it more honest and good? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Hopefully. But it's, uh, you know, it's it's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. I think it, a, lot of, a lot of it comes back to... Aligning incentives to to report truth and report facts, and to, so far the experience, at least in the last twenty years, 
at the very least, probably more like the last 25 to 30 years has been the more sensational things are, the more viewership or readership it gets, and that's what we need to go for. And then dispel the case for truth, let's just make it sexy. Yeah. Um, or let's make it interesting and, and, and engaging. Where engagement is important, but it's not as important. Engagement is now outweighing reporting information in a way that people can understand it, they can believe it, and they can take it and go, that's something that can, I can, that makes me maybe not feel, but makes me go, I can react to this in the way that I feel is appropriate. Yeah. And, and have faith in people that they can react to things in a way that's appropriate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the, the, the dream I have for science. Science needs to be that. Mm-hmm. Science doesn't give a shit about what you believe. No. It really doesn't. Yeah. It, we go to work and we, we put something in front of us and we say up, down, yes, no. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it is literally that black and white. And I'm hoping that we can somehow utilize those concepts and our ability to convey to people this is not an agenda. This right. is this is just we tested this, it worked. Please take it. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's, there's no nothing else to it. You know, yeah, we're overcomplicating yeah. things. I think. Yeah. Nobody withheld anything for after an election. It, yeah. You know it. Oh wait, are you telling me that there just so happened an election year felt you know, in the midst of this pandemic, and there was going to be something delivered at some point anyway. And people are breaking their necks, breaking their, probably breaking up their families to try yeah. and deliver this to you, you know, not being able to be fathers, mothers, or even children to their own parents, yeah. you know, to, it's to distracting. Be able to it is, it's the ultimate distraction. And a lot of us need distractions from time to time, but we have to come back to reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. we have to find a safe space. And I don't like that term, but <laughs> somewhere that, there's no bullshit. There's no, it's just an area where all the people in this room have no agenda. And we can quote unquote prove that somehow. It's, a, it's almost like a distillation of let's cut the shit. Let's get down to what matters. Yeah. Ted Cruz says doesn't matter. What Nancy Pelosi says doesn't matter. Yeah. What these people right here who are trained professionals in, in the profession that they chose that are some cases we paid them for years to be experts. Yeah. Let's take a minute and listen to them because they're not spitting an agenda. They just want to get the right information out. And if they want to get the best information that they have at the time. Yeah. And I mean, that's why, I mean, that's uh, when you asked me to do this, I was really encouraged because I never thought of servicemen and women, especially, uh, you know, after they've served to be able to be a, intermediate for information. I think that that is a fantastic idea. I've worked with a lot of servicemen and women in science. They get out and they come uh, work at universities a lot of times and stuff like that. And I, you know, I've never worked with anyone who has served that would come into an organization and start questioning authority or questioning this information. What this person gave me this information, that person gave me that information, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's the type of, intermediate wall that we need to bounce back all the crazy and to distill, like you said, the information to the everyday person. You know, I think that that is a really interesting way that we can, it's the perfect person to trust. Right. I trust no one more than someone who's served. We have problems with that too, because I think there's people that out there that have served and, and they 
spit out some stuff that we have gotten into a really strange space with veterans in our current society where it's great. I'm, I'm living in like the heyday to be a veteran. Like, God, I can't imagine being, you know, a Vietnam veteran, in, you know, post-Vietnam years. You know, there's a lot of respect that's given. There's a lot of, you know, thanks. It's hardly a time when I talk to, to folks that are out and they find out that I, I serve there where they're, you know, not like, well, thank you for your service. I'm like, it's always an awkward exchange. But at the same time, it's gone to another extreme where people with like zero experience getting on Fox News and whatever else, and even you know, CNN and MSNBC that no idea what they're talking about, but just because <laughs> they have, you know, just because they're a veteran, they're out talking about national security. Like they're not national security experts. They got out of the army as like a captain and <laughs> they don't know anything about that. And it's a, we live in a really weird spot, but for what you're saying though, veterans who go out, they get trained in another discipline, but they bring that experience of what they do know, which is maybe a certain set of behaviors, a certain way of looking at problems. I think that's the good stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the things that we need folks that come out of the military to go inject, or maybe the, a certain doggedness about chasing down issues. Yeah. Um, and it's about credibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I feel like we're lacking so much because every time I feel like we put someone up on a pedestal, there's somebody right there with a pitchfork ready to take them down, you yeah, know, yeah. but servicemen and women, not, not very often are people, I mean, blindly attacking like that. Now, if it's yeah. some, you know, person who's gone off on whatever sure but yeah from face value these are the people that need we need to help calm the waters about okay yes you have legitimate concerns yes you have legitimate concerns but we need we need more uh we need more colin powell's and less mike flynn's i guess is the (laughs) the right way to say it yeah qualify that with the fact that colin powell did get in front of the UN and, and deliver a bunch of information that, you know, that later became more questionable. But I think sure. as far as a kind of a national face, a lot of people go, he, he is a general and very trustworthy person. But whereas there's it's those egos, man, it, yeah. once they get to a certain point, you, once you put somebody on television, mm-hmm. it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, so, you know, and, and I had, I had high aspirations for social media. I thought that it would have Me too. destroyed yeah. that paradigm and, 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 and leveled the playing field. Yeah. But I, it just amplifies the crazy right now. So yeah. we need, we need people of, of good character and good morals to convey the information to people in a way that sounds like everyday life. Yeah. Arbiters of truth. That, Ooh, that, I like that. Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that really go out there and, and make sure to, I think a big thing is challenge people in an intelligent way. Challenge people to say, give me proof. Don't just spit out something that somebody else said on the internet that they didn't offer you proof either. Give me proof. Yeah. Give me peer reviewed studies. Give me litany of other sources of information that can be legitimately found, you know, research topics, yeah, not just some person's YouTube video. Right. And if you don't know, say you don't know. Yeah, it's you okay. <laughs> it's totally okay. Yeah, don't just keep running your mouth just because they th- you're supposed to know. Yeah, it doesn't sacrifice your ego. Right. Just to say, you know what, I don't know. Yeah. But. It's possible. We can, we can change that. <laughs> yeah, we can. Well, this is perfect. This is really what I wanted to cover. Two things I want to I do before we, we end this. The first thing is talking about distillation. Let's do a few quick facts. What does anybody need to know about 
COVID-19 right now that they may not know. It's more in a, in a more colloquial sense. There's plenty of information out there, plenty of resources. Distill it down. What's the most essential thing that anybody might need to know that they don't know right now? And then same thing about vaccine. What's the most critical thing they need to know that they may not know right now? Sure. The most important thing to realize about the current virus and its administration is we don't know. Just like we Mm -hmm. just talked about, this is our best guess. I mean, there is no definitive answer here. And I know that's frightening. I know that's not reassuring. But a lot of people put a lot of time into this problem. I can guarantee that. I, I mean... My boss, who's the chair of microbiology, she said that she, at one point during the pandemic, she was receiving 400 emails an hour because she's on all these committees and all this, getting the university correct. And it's my personal hell. I mean, can you imagine? No, I don't. I and don't she answers to. every freaking one, dude. That's I mean, three in the morning. It's crazy. Okay. I mean, some people are working their asses off. Okay. Guaranteed. So all... I can do, even in my unique position, is say, they're trying, I'm going to try. If they say it's good, I say it's good. That's all we can go on here. I mean, I'm not going to BS it and say, well, you know, we studied 10,000 people. And like I said, we earlier we talked about, oh, there's only been a couple hundred, you know, bad side effects. There's been the, That information's great, and you should use that analytically and, 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 and make use that for an informed decision. But know that they call it a pandemic because you're panicking. It's something that is a problem. And we're just doing the best we can on this one. You know, right. we've got, you know, and we didn't really get into all the other ones too, you know. So Johnson & Johnson is coming out with theirs. Instead of RNA, instead of messenger RNA, it's DNA. Six or one, half dozen the other when it comes down to it. It does basically the same thing. It's a little more stable, uh, so you don't have to refrigerate it quite as much. It's got some, you know, some some pluses and minuses there. But people have concerns about that. Oh, well, you're putting this new DNA in your body. You know, it, it could last forever. It could get incorporated into your genome and yada yada. Legitimate concerns and everything. But we've tested these things. You know, it just it just doesn't happen. Can't uh, be much worse than what the virus does to you anyway. Exactly. Again, you know, again, it's it's you know a risk and a reward. It's a culmination of what we know with what we have. Mm -hmm. We know this, and we have the ability to do this, so that's our best shot. With vaccines in general, I mean, you really have to separate modern science from past science. Back in the day, we just didn't have the information we have today. We haven't. The amount of information that has been gathered in the past 20 years, but really the past 10 years, has solidified or nullified multiple different areas of thought on how to treat disease. Mm -hmm. And with the increase in computers' capabilities and artificial intelligence, we've been able to verify a lot of those things, I mean, analytically. And we haven't found with the major things. Now, you're going to see this stuff where it's like 50% of studies can't be reproduced. And they're right. Because we've a lot of these studies have gotten so specific and so unique that it's impossible to recreate it because every environmental factor is at play and all this crazy stuff. So dump some salt on science in, in general there. But when it comes to medicines, and especially that are going to be given to a lot of people, 
There are lots of checks and balances. There are lots of things that go on that make sure we are not going to hurt somebody. I mean, that is the nightmare that keeps scientists up, that they, you know, they think they're on the right path and they're not. And we have multiple systems in, in place, peer reviews and duplications and, and things like that to avoid that. And, and you just have to trust in that method that it is going to produce the best option. It, it may not be the perfect option. But it's going to be what we've got, mm-hmm. and we're just going to have to go with it in, in, in a pandemic situation like this. Other drugs and stuff like that, uh, you know, to each his own. Do your research, you know, study it, determine how important it is in your life, and, and go with what you think. But vaccines have come a long way, and I do I want to do want to speak of this too because we're all going to have to get real comfortable with vaccines because my lab is currently working on two vaccines for cancer, and ten years from now. They're going to be going out and we will be curing prostate, breast, a lot of very specific cancers with vaccines. We will actually be able to teach your body how to destroy any disease it has. And it's terrifying to think about. It's very, it's God complex. There's a lot of implications there, but it's not that crazy. Your immune system is the strongest thing on this planet. I guarantee that. And it's one of the most complicated and smartest things and if we can harness that power, we can help a lot of people out. And people just need to give us a chance. That's absolutely incredible. And I might have to end on that. Because <laughs> that's, that's I mean, that, I think that's what people need to know, is the fact that all this incredible work is being done. And probably some of that work got put to the side because this is happening. But all the benefits of that research and study and work went into getting this done and getting this done correctly to the best of our ability using all the tools that have been accumulated over the uh, in greater number in the last few decades but really I'll see since the late 1700s uh, when inoculations kind of first came around right am yeah. I wrong am I wrong on that no that's good did I, yeah. did, did I get that right <clears throat> no I mean yeah I mean you go all the way back to the plague when the first guy realized hey if I lick this person's scab I might you know I don't yeah. know I don't know who tested that you yeah. know but uh Somebody did and it worked, you know? And so, I mean, it's, that's what's so frustrating is it's such a simple thing. All your body needs to do is just be gently introduced to this thing and it can take care of it. Yeah. It can do any, it can do amazing things. It's just extrapolating that out to 300 million, 7 billion people. You know, those numbers are just hard to deal with. (laughs) You know, it's just too many factors so we have to just broad base it the best we can. But ten, so I said 10 years, 15 years from now, you will be able to go in and get precisely known exactly how your immune system works, what it needs to do well, yada, yada, yada. I mean, we're going to have all that stuff figured out. Yeah. So just trust in science. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a No Shit There I Was story? What do you mean? That's the name of the podcast, man. It's called No Shit There I Was. Uh, yes, I definitely, I definitely do. Uh, so I did, <laughs> I did tell you I, I work with uh, animals, with mice. Right. And uh, so at times we have to put a bunch of them in one cage to transport them one place or another. And one day I had probably 15, 20 mice in one little bitty, you know, uh, three by one cage. Just had it held wrong and dropped it. So 20 mice all over the floor. And these are genetically altered animals that cannot leave the building. Period. Oh, my God. You know? 
Mice, of yeah. all things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the hardest thing in the world to catch. So here, I, so I just dive on the floor and I'm just scooping <laughs> all these mice. They're crawling all over my head, all in, in my shirt and everything. I've got them all. And that was the best thing I could do was just get them to attach to me yeah. so that I could get them and then pick them off of me and put them back in the cage. But uh, it was a, uh, it was definitely an oh shit moment. I, I didn't think I was going to, because it was all by myself. I didn't, I, there was no one around, but uh, I'm happy to say that I've, I found all of them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> to the best of your knowledge. Yeah. Some mutant mouse running around somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like we got traps and some doors that shut down, so it sh- we should be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. One last question. What are some good resources for people to use for the research that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, you know, the CDC and all that gets kind of dry and, mm-hmm. and hard to swallow sometimes. It's going to be your blanket statements of all, you know, that sound just generic and, and off cuff. But come down to the universities. Go to a university in your town. These people are happy to talk to you. They're, I mean, they're happy to explain it to you. You're going to get the most honest answers from those people working in those systems, you know, I mean, not everybody can do that, of course, but if you've got serious questions, go ask, they'll, 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 they'll shoot you an email or something and you'll get it straight from the source. The bureaucracy of the system is, is, is deflating, but the messages they put out are correct. Yeah. They don't sound like it, but it it is, there's just not much to it. Yeah. You know, wash your hands and tell your doctor if you have any problems. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really the best we can tell you. I, by all means, get into the scientific journals. They can be a little bit dry. Yeah, and I'm a little disheartened about the whole way that that's structured and how you got to pay for it and everything. But but there are good journals out there that, that do, you know, write it in common knowledge talk and stuff that have the information right there in black and white. You're not going to understand everything in it, and that's okay. I don't understand. I've been working in 20 years. I can barely read half of those papers. Yeah. But just they've got abstracts, little short paragraphs at the beginning that tell you what it's about. And just for you, just that knowledge of, hey, this person looked at this very specific problem in depth. And, I mean, a lot. And that thousands of scientists are doing that all over the world is really – it's really the take-home message here is that they're all contributing little bitty bits Mm -hmm. to an overall message. Well, like me, literal average Joe, walking down the UAB, how do you go about that? You can call the immunology department, the microbiology department, and they will give you whatever information you want mm-hmm. about your local area, what's what good resources to see there. I mean, you're tried and true, your New York Times and stuff like that. They're, they're not lying about these things. There's no agenda there. I mean, I, I highly recommend reading the news rather than watching it on TV. 100% uh, agree. That's, yeah. uh, that seems to always come across better. These days, facts are so quickly judged and verified that that's, I guess that's my overall message is go somewhere and read something. And then if you can go somewhere else and read it, and if they both say the same thing, that's probably true. Yeah. Find the things they agree on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to hide some of the stuff. Right. That was the last question, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can go all night. Why? Well, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I'm really excited to get this out. No problem. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to the show. If you liked it, please share with family and friends. And please consider leaving a rating or even better, a review. It really does help. And while you're at it, hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to connect with the show, 
you can visit the website at nstiwpodcast.com. Follow on Twitter at nstiwpodcast1 or on Instagram or Facebook at nstiwpodcast where you will receive additional notifications as well as additional content. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like to see it continue to dive into bigger and better stories, consider donating. Navigate to the website where you can read how the donation will be used and you can easily donate over PayPal. On a final note, if you or someone you know has a story worth telling, please submit a summary via a contact form on the website for consideration. Thanks again and get out there and do something worth telling about.